Well, you folks picked a great Sunday to be here because we're starting a new series today, and we usually talk on a certain t- subject for three to six, seven weeks, and the new series is called, Did God Really Say? And we'll explain where that comes from in a minute. And today's topic is, God will not give you more than you can handle. Now, you've been around church for a while. Uh, we believe some kind of dumb things that are true. In fact, Jesus said many of those, like, <clears throat> love your enemies, uh, do good to those who hurt you. If somebody asks you for your coat or shirt, give them your coat also. If they hit you on one cheek, turn the other cheek, etc. They sound a little dumb, but if you really practice those things, if you implement those things in your life, your life is better, isn't it? Your relationships are better. Now, there are some other things that kind of sound true that aren't actually true, and that's what this series is about, and it comes from back at the very beginning of your Bible. It's it's called Genesis, and there's a story about uh, Satan in the form of a serpent comes to the first couple, Adam and Eve, especially to Eve, and it's interesting. He doesn't attack uh, their beliefs about God. They don't attack their theology. We'll talk about that word in a minute. He just asked the simple question, and this is the question he asked her, right? Did God really say that if you, really, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you were going to die? Did God really say that? He planted doubt in her mind. He, he made her question whether she could trust God. And we've been falling for that same trick all through the centuries since then. Uh, so these are technically lies that we believe. And we usually believe them for one or two reasons. One, that we can condone our behavior or somebody else's behavior or our beliefs or somebody else's belief or sometimes to condemn somebody else's behavior or somebody else's beliefs. So we want to talk a little bit about theology before we get to the topic. Now, theology is not a word just for preacher types like me, all right? Theology simply means God thoughts or God talk or God speech. So if you've ever had a thought about God, if you've ever said anything about God, you're a theologian. Congratulations, you're all theologians. Because you've all had a thought about God. Even my neighbor Wally, who was over yesterday, some of you know. As he was leaving last night, he said, give my regards to the man upstairs. That's kind of his theology. What is his theology? That's, that's how he thinks about God. Even atheists have a theology. They believe that God doesn't exist. The question isn't, though, if you have theology, is if you have good theology, if you have the right thoughts. And I have the right thoughts about God and because it, it, it'll affect our behavior. Um, some of our theology fits in kind of Twitter theology, Back in the old days, we would call it bumper sticker theology. I'm going to share a couple with you that really bug me, especially this first one. Uh, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Now, it kind of sounds good, doesn't it? And I understand what they're trying to communicate. You know, what God says is truth, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm not going to argue with it. But it really sets me up as the... the uh, determining factor. It really should say, God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter if I believe it, you believe it, anybody else believes it, right? But that's one of those bumper thick, sticker theologies that we 
tend to believe without questioning, and it's technically not true. Uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. If you're a parent with a messy kid, you love that one, but it's not in the Bible, all right? Um, what's some, some more? Uh, God just wants you to be happy. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit in a, in a few minutes, too. That's certainly not true. And we kind of adopt that from culture, don't we? <clears throat> so what we do is we misinterpret, overinterpret, or underinterpret what God says or the Bible says. <clears throat> now we misinterpret, we just get it wrong. It means one thing, and we believe another thing. And often that is, again, to make us feel better, make somebody else feel better. And so we misinterpret it. Sometimes we underinterpret it. And that means, you know, God says to love everybody, but I can't really do that. He says, love my enemies. I know he says that, but, you know, I'm going to underinterpret that and really not do that. And sometimes we overinterpret, and that's the one we're going to get to today. The Bible says something about one issue, and we make it a concept that applies to all issues. So we all have theology. The question is, do we have good theology? <clears throat> so I'm going to give you four tests of your theology and my theology. And these are the four tests. First one is Scripture. Does it really mean what you think it means? And I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Paul is writing to a church in Philippi, Philippians 4.13. A lot of you know that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, what does that mean? I can do anything? I'm always going to win? I'm always going to be successful? Um, he's... Literally, he was talking about in his life, he had some good times and he had some bad times, but no matter what his circumstances were, what was really important was God was with me. Christ will strengthen me. That's the important thing. Not that I can do all things, because you can't do all things. Nobody can do all things. I can't sing. All right? I can't. My family will tell you. All right? I can't do all things. So is it what it really says? It is a test of Scripture. Second test is a test of what is it? Time. All right. Did people believe it in the first century? Did people believe it in the Middle Ages? Did people believe it 500 years ago? Did people believe it 200 years ago, 100 years ago? Will people believe it 100 years from now? If it doesn't pass that test, give you some examples. Uh, 500 years ago, they were teach the church was teaching things like the world is flat and the sun revolves around the earth. They, they found that in the Bible. They believed that. They taught that. And you were a heretic. You'd be in trouble if you didn't believe that. The people the first century didn't believe that. Certainly people in the last few centuries don't believe that, right? So it doesn't stand the test of time. The third test is test of culture. All right, so do people in America believe it? Do people in Africa believe it? Do people in China believe it? Do people in South America believe it? Do people in... Um, Southern California believe it? Do people in New England believe it? Do people down south believe it? Do people with lots of money believe it? Do people that are street people believe it? Do people who are uh, single moms believe it? Does it stand the test of culture? And the last test is simply the test of life. Does your experience prove that it's true? And that fits with the one we're going to talk about today. Did God really say he's not going to give you any more than you can handle? Is that really true? Has that been true in your life? Has it been true in people, friends of your life? Now, you might have tried to impose that on them, 
but is it really true? And I don't think it's true. In fact, I don't think God or the Bible teaches that. So where does it come from? Well, Paul was writing to this church he had started in Corinth, and we call it 1 Corinthians. He wrote three or four letters. We're going to read from 1st and 2nd this morning. And here's the verse, or two verses. Now pay attention closely to what it truly says. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. That means don't be overconfident, right? So, none of us should be overconfident. Now here goes the part that we misinterpret. Overinterpret. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So, when it, you and I are tempted, we're all tempted. We all give in sometimes. And he says, your temptations common. No matter what, how unique you think it is, it's common. Hundreds of thousands of millions of people have had those temptations. Whether it's sexual temptations, uh, you know, food temptations, alcohol, drugs. Uh, the list is almost endless. Shopping. There's all kinds of addictions that we have. They're endless, but you're not unique. Lots of people have had them. And also on the other side, God's not picking on you, all right? It's like, I'm giving you something tougher than anybody else has. And then he says something really important we'll get to later. God is faithful. He can be trusted. You can bank on him. You can believe him. And then help me with this next part. He will not allow the what? Temptation. Does it say life to be more than you can handle? Now, see, we have broadened it, overinterpreted it. It doesn't apply to all of life. It applies to what? What's the word? Temptation. To be more than you can stand. When tempted, not all the time, not all of life, but when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So anytime you and I are tempted and we say, oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop myself, that's not true. Not according to what? Paul wrote here, right? God always gives a way out. In a big way, especially if you're in some addiction, is to have the help of other people. And we'll talk about that uh, a little later also. But here's the way I like to distinguish it. These two statements. Temptations are about choices, right? Will I do this, give in, or not? We always are fa- Temptations are about choices. Trials, suffering, problems, put lots of different words in there often don't allow for choices, do they? Maybe you have a physical ailment. Do you have a choice about that? Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you had something to do with that. Maybe you didn't. Company's just downsizing. You're just a number. Didn't have anything to do with that. Maybe you've got a wild teenager or a wild grand teenager, grandchild. (laughs) And you've done the best parenting job you can and Uh, Did you have a choice about that? This is endless. What that phrase means is, no matter what you're going through, it's going to be okay. Is it always okay? Sometimes it's not okay. Read stuff out of the Bible. There's a book in the Bible called Job. It looks like the word job. Anyway, it's about that age-old question. It's probably one of the oldest parts of the Bible. The Bible's not written chronologically, by the way. So it's one of the oldest parts of the Bible, and it's about the age-old question, why do bad things happen to good people? It was happening thousands of years ago. It still happens today. Moses, 
He was leading uh, hundreds of thousands of Israelites out of Egypt. He got out in the wilderness, and he's trying to control everything. He's trying to organize everything. His mother, father-in-law comes to him and says, yeah, you can't do this. You can't judge all the disputes of these hundreds of thousands of people. You need to reorganize. One of my favorites is Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and it was a time when most of the people weren't followers of God. They were worshiping false religions and idols. And so God sets up this, Elijah sets up this contest with the false prophets. How would you like these odds? 850 to 1. <laughs> that, that, that's, that, that was the odds. All right, Elijah against 850 of them. Anyway, if you know this story, this is God just delivers and delivers Elijah. And you think, okay, Elijah's going to be great now, right? The very next couple of verses says, the, the queen threatens him. He runs out in the desert and tells, I don't know why he ran out in the desert. If he wanted to die, he could have just let the queen kill him. But anyway, he runs out in the desert and says, God, just kill me. Have any of you felt that way? Have you ever, ever been depressed? It's a good teaching there. I have to do it some, some week. Um, sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes God gives us more than we can stand. I think on purpose, and I'll try to explain that uh, in a, little, a little later. So for us, the issue is faith. And sometimes we think that faith means life is going to be easy. I don't know where we get that because we don't get it from reading the stories in the Bible. Um, we certainly don't get it from experience, do we? But, you know, God is good, so if I believe in God, my life is going to be good. Well, that's not good theology. And it's not our experience, is it? So let me give you a definition of faith this morning. Faith is knowing that God can God can heal me, God can fix this, God can whatever. And believing that he will. I'm trusting, I'm believing, I'm confident that, you know, I'm going to get better, the situation's going to get better, whatever. But, this is a big but, <laughs> worshiping him even if he doesn't. And sometimes he doesn't. I'll be sharing a personal experience here in a minute. What that says is, it's not about me. <laughs> He's God and I'm not. And some of our theology kind of gets that backwards. So anyway, Paul had written that about temptation. This first letter to Corinthians, what we call 2 Corinthians, which possibly was his third letter. Right at the beginning, he talks about that other issue, not temptation, but trials. And we want to look at that to try and figure this all out this morning. So he's only eight verses in, very beginning of the letter, he's saying, we think you ought to know about all the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. And if you know the story, Paul had some really difficult issues. He got stoned, almost stoned to death, and some other things happened to him. Really tough. So he said, here's how he describes it. We were crushed and overwhelmed. In fact, it was beyond our ability to endure. We weren't able to handle it. Isn't that what it says? We couldn't handle it. We thought we would never live through it. So was Paul's solution? Oh, it's going to be okay. No, he says we couldn't handle it. It was overwhelming. We felt crushed. I asked the first service, have you ever been there? But that's kind of a dumb question, isn't it? 
We've all been there, haven't we? So it goes on. In fact, we expected to die. That was, that was the outlook. But as a result, we stopped, and here is the key, the difference. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. I like that phrase. If, God, if, if your God can raise the dead, there's not much else he can't do, right? And raising the dead is critical to our belief of Christianity that Jesus rose from the dead. So our problems, your problems, your trials, whatever, can do two, one or two things in your life. They can either drive you closer to God or can drive you away from God. In this case, where did it drive Paul? Drove Paul closer to God. Sometimes when bad things happen to us, hey, if God's going to treat me this way, I don't want anything to do with God. So that's our two options when things are more than we can handle. The best option, obviously, is driving us closer to God. Then he goes on. In his case, anyway, God rescued us from the mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. Confidence is another word for faith, isn't it? So we're trusting him. We believe, we, we have faith, we have confidence in him, and he'll, that he'll continue to rescue us. And then the last verse we're going to read this morning talks about how we can help each other. You are helping us. This little church in Corinth, you are helping me, Paul, when I'm out here sharing uh, about Jesus, by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. We've all had prayers unanswered, right? And sometimes it feels like they don't really matter. Paul says, no, 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 no. They really matter, they make a difference. Now, our prayers don't force God to do anything. But God is desire for us, desirous of us to rely on Him. Prayer is one way we rely on Him. God, we are relying on You. And we'd like You to do this. He wants us to share our heart's desires. <clears throat> now, Paul is requesting that other people pray for him and thanking them for praying for him. And hopefully you pray for people uh, that are especially on the front lines of sharing uh, about Jesus because the evil one doesn't want somebody sharing about Jesus, so they're going to make it difficult. But your prayers matter, make a difference. Now, if this is your first time here, if you're not really a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here. Hopefully, what we're going to share, uh, these things will help you <laughs> uh, deal with stuff that you can't handle. So what do you do? When life gives you stuff you can't handle, I'll give you three hopefully practical things to do. First, focus on the character of God. What is God like? And that's your theology, what you believe about what God is like, and it's really important because it's going to affect how you act and how you feel. So what's God really like? And here's what happens. We do one or two things when we're in over our heads, so to speak. Either our circumstances dictate what we believe about God or what we believe about God dictates how we view our circumstances. So we're in this problem, this trial, this difficulty. We're, we're overwhelmed. We can't handle it. We, again, we say, okay, if God is so good, 
If God loves me, uh, this wouldn't be happening to me. So God can't be loving, caring, gracious God. So that's interpreting God through your circumstances. The other way of looking at it, looking at it is interpreting our circumstances from what we know about God. I know God's loving, God's caring, God wants what's best for me. So even in this circumstance, or maybe because of this circumstance, um, I'm going to get through this because that's the kind of God I have. There's all kinds of examples in Scripture, in the Bible. David's one of my favorite. David did something probably worse than any of us have ever done. All right? And that's he killed somebody. He did a lot of other terrible stuff too, but he killed somebody. Actually, he killed uh, the lady. He committed adultery with the lady and killed her husband when she got, and then he later found out he was pregnant. He did all kinds of stuff. The Bible says about David, though, he was a man after God's own heart. He was really connected with God. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. It's not about our performance, good or bad. It's about our proximity to God. So despite his terrible behavior, David was closely connected with God. So you've got to figure out what God is like. And of course, the best way, I think, to find out what God is like is, is reading the Bible. And when you come across things like in that other verse, God is faithful. Highlight that. <laughs> Make a list. What is God like? God is faithful. That means I can trust Him. I can trust Him 100% of the time. Not 99% of the time, but 100% of the time. And you can, all these other attributes. He's, he is all-powerful. There's nothing He can't do. Now, He might not do it, but there's nothing He can't do. So you, you need to build a theology on what your God is like. Now, hopefully, good theology. One thing that we kind of get wrong sometimes is this. Somebody's going through some difficulties. We say, God must really think highly of you. Now, if you're in a difficult situation, is that helpful to you? (laughs) If you're suffering through severe depression, oh, God must really think highly of you. Now, that's bad theology. All right? Another thing we can do is build up what I call a faith memory bank. Now, I've been a Jesus follower for about 50 years. And so I can go back and look back and over those different years. And I say, oh, yeah, using God as faithful, for example. God was faithful here. God was faithful here. One year, I had four children. For a whole year, I didn't really have a job. And, you know, God, we provided for us. I got all these things in my memory bank. So the next problem that comes up, the next trial that comes up, I can say, well, God was faithful. You know, I got this memory bank here, so it's easier for me to say, yeah, God's going to be faithful the next time. <clears throat> so what's your memory bank like? Do you have one? Hopefully you do. Even if you don't, and we've all experienced this too, you can borrow from somebody else's, can't you? If you ever just not had for a better word, the faith that gets you through some situation and a friend came alongside you and you got through because of their faith? That leads us to the second point. When God gives you something you can't handle, you really need to lean in community. You need to be connected with other people. And most of you know this story, but some of you don't. About three years ago, our daughter-in-law, Erin, was diagnosed with... 
inoperable brain, brain cancer. And she fought it for a year and a half and, and, and died. Folks, let me tell you, we can't handle that. Many of you went through it with us. You couldn't handle it. We were crushed. We were overwhelmed. It's still, it's still hard. How did we get through that? We got through it because of, of each other's help. That's the only way we got through it. We'd all we'd gone crazy on our, on our own. Point is this. We, you all have your story. And it's important you share your story. Just sharing it sometimes makes it easier. But you need to be in a group of people that won't say, hey, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. That'll come alongside you and support you through whatever that issue is. I love this illustration. Who can tell me what these are? <laughs> the giant sequoia trees out in California. Did you guys see them when you were out there? One said yes and one said no. How did she say <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> anyway, these trees are fascinating. They're some of the oldest living things on earth. They're hundreds of feet tall. They're like 50 feet across the bottom, some of them. <clears throat> now, I was taught back in high school in my science classes that as big as the tree is above the ground, that's how big the tree is under the ground. Were you guys taught that? Anyway, I was taught that. So, I was researching this. The roots of these trees don't go down any more than four or five feet. How is that possible? I don't think it'll just fall over or blow over. And the key is this. The roots are actually 100, 150 feet long. They just go vertically. Consequently, you can see how close the trees are together. So what do we know about the roots then? That tree's roots are interlocked with that tree's roots. It's interlocked with that tree's roots. And so consequently, the trees don't fall over. The way I'm, I'm going to word it for us this morning is this way. <clears throat> it's not about how deep we are. It's not how theologically uh, educated you are. That you can figure out all that stuff in the Bible. It's all about how deeply connected we are. The Bible has all these expressions called one another's. You know, love one another, uh, help one another, pray for one another, you know, cry with one another, laugh with one another. There's like 30 of them. And that's because that's the key, like the sequoia trees, for us to successfully navigate through life. So join one. If you're not in one, join a community group to share your life together, join a ministry group to work alongside of each other. And a lot of our community groups are helping clean the church now, so that's, that's the way you do that. Or join a mission uh, group where that's ministering outside our church, like uh, Tabitha's Table and Micah's Backpack and some of those other things. So when life gets too hard to handle, uh, focus on the character of God. Don't. Let your circumstances dictate what you believe about God. Lean into community. And this is the last and third one we're going to share this morning. Change your prayer. Change your prayer. I'm going to give you this illustration of a couple I know. They were going through infertility problems, and maybe some of you have. All the babies around here, most of you probably don't have that problem. (laughs) But anyway, some people do. Uh, That's a a big problem. And they were praying, God, give us children. And they were praying this prayer, and it finally dawned on them that was the wrong prayer. 
And they started praying, God, make us parents. And so they had a church with a lot of little ones like ours. And so they started pitching in and helping the young families with their kids. They became parents, and then, it has a happy ending, (laughs) they now have a child of their own. Before that, they were just enduring. God, please give us kids. When they prayed, God, make us parents, they were now becoming something. And often our prayer is, God, change my circumstances, change my spouse, change my kids, right? And maybe we need to pray, make change that prayer to God, change me. Now, Sometimes it's not you that are dealing with something you can't handle. It's somebody close to you. How do you help them? Two suggestions. First, shut up. (laughs) All of us like to give advice, don't we? And sometimes it's not even good advice. And it really isn't helpful if you've been in that, when you're in that situation, not if. When you're in that situation, is it? You just want that person to be there, to be supportive, uh, Etc. And this other thing is do small things to help them. You know, t- help take care of their kids, clean their house, take them a meal, write them a note, uh, whatever. <clears throat> so when you're dealing with stuff you can't handle, focus on the character of God, lean into your, your group, trust other people, and change your prayers. So God didn't say he isn't going to give you more than you can handle. Here's what he did say. He will never give us more than he can handle. Big, big difference. Your value, my value, is not based on our strengths or not on our abilities. And maybe you're dealing with something more than you can handle right now. And you may feel that God's not good. Let me just kind of correct your theology a little bit. It's not that God's not good. In fact, it is. It's because he is. And all you little folks with little ones, you know all about belly time, right? And most of the little ones don't like to be to spend time on their bellies, but you need to make them spend time on their bellies, even if they don't like it. Why? Because eventually they're going to get up on their hands and knees, right? And then eventually they're going to crawl, and so they have to go to that torture, quote unquote, of belly time which seems like you're not being good when you're really being a good parent. It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. He gives us belly time, not because He's not good, but because He is good. He'll never give us more than He can handle. We need to learn to rely on Him and not on ourselves. Hopefully this has been helpful. We'll continue this series next week. And hopefully you can join us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you do not give us more than you can handle. In fact, sometimes you give us more than we can handle for the very fact that we are overconfident in ourselves and we need to be more reliant on you. And our faith needs to to grow. We need to get closer to you. And God, I don't, I'm, it's not my intention this morning to belittle anybody's issues and problems because the fact is some of them are too big for us to handle. But that should not 
influence the way we feel about you, God. In fact, we, ought to, we need to view these circumstances through good theology, good God thoughts. But we do pray for those of you in that situation this morning that you would uh, have a proper understanding of God, that you would share your story with others, let them come alongside you. And not always, but sometimes you may need to change your prayer. God, we thank you that you are faithful, 100% faithful. It's because of that faithfulness that Jesus went to the cross. That certainly didn't turn out okay for him. So that we might have the opportunity, the ability to connect or reconnect with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.